There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your setting. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Welcome to the episode two of Sci-Fi Talk on the Fangirl Zone, a podcast where we discuss shows on the Sci-Fi Channel. I'm Steve. And I'm Sean Fangirl S. <laughs> Coming from the Arctic tundra known as Chicago adjacent. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's cold today. Uh, tonight we'll be discussing episodes three and four of The Expanse. And you know what, Steve? It's it's cold here. It's kind of as cold as out in space. I, where it kind our, of sounds like it. <laughs> where our ice freighter people are. <laughs> I love these guys. Okay, we have some information. Steve is always looking for awesome news for everybody so uh steve take it away all right our first news item before dystopian future novels were all the rage there were many classic tales predicting a dark future for mankind sci-fi and steven spielberg's amberlin television will soon pay tribute to one of the most famous and acclaimed of those works the network and production company announced that they're developing an adaptation of Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. The novel was first published in 1932. It's set in a future world that lacks poverty, war, and disease, but where mind-altering drugs are distributed and free sex and increased consumerism are the norm. Interesting. Uh, Most disturbing of all, people no longer reproduce. Instead, they're genetically created in hatcheries. Those who refuse to conform are sent to reservations. All this, though, is about to change when one savage bucks the system and threatens this entire social order. For those of you who did not read Brave New World in high school. (laughs) I feel like everybody had to read that. I would think so. Modern Library ranked Brave New World fifth on the list of the 20th century's 100 best English language novels. Brave New World is one of the most influential genre classics of all time. Its provocative vision of the future gone awry remains as powerful and as timeless as ever. Promising to be a monumental television event, Brave New World is precisely the groundbreaking programming that is becoming the hallmark of sci-fi, said Dave Howe, president of Sci-Fi and Chiller in a statement. Sci-Fi and Amberlin have collaborated before on Steven Spielberg Presents Taken, which received an Emmy for Best Miniseries in 2003. Amberlin's television's Daryl Frank and Justin Favey, The Americans, Falling Skies, and Under the Dome will executive produce, along with Les Bohm, Steven Spielberg presents Taken, who will also pin the screenplay. Universal Cable Productions will act as the studio. Now, for those of you who have not read this book, first, I highly recommend going out to get it. Because it was one of the books that I read in high school that I didn't feel like I had to read, if that makes sense. You know, it Mm. didn't feel like a homework assignment. It was... No. (laughs) Yeah. It, I think I still have it. In high school, it was a long time ago. I'll just say that. Nice. But, um, I, I yeah, just read it because it's one of those books that you can see that being at any point in the future. Yes. It, it, it doesn't very have to be. A, possible, a possibility. Yes. Uh, so, are we ready for some new nightmares? Sci-Fi revealed today that director and all-around terrormeister Wes Craven is developing two horror shows for the network. A reworking of his 1991 movie, The People Under the Stairs. That movie freaked me the hell out. (laughs) (laughs) 
and it wasn't even all that scary, but I was freaked out. Anyway, and another project called We Are Completely Fine. Is that all about women who are mad that don't want to say they're mad? <laughs> I'm just saying. That's a horror movie all in itself, guys. Come on. Yes, it is. Come on. I can say that as a woman. Uh, the shows are part of the first. <laughs> The shows are part of a first-look deal between Craven, whose other credits include the original Nightmare on Elm Street and all four screen movies, which I loved, um, and Universal Cable Productions. The company is already responsible for sci-fi shows Dominion and Twelve Monkeys, among others, which are great shows, by the way. Yes, they are. According to the official release, the new versions of People Under the Stairs concerns a young woman who goes missing at the Grand Roberson. Robeson. Family Manor. It's too close to the other one. And a centuries-old horrors that lies deep within the estate. <laughs> the show is being described as a contemporary Downton Abbey meets Amityville horror. Okay, the, I don't even know how to mix those in my head. Seriously. Um, it's going to be written by Michael Rees of CBS show Unforgettable. We Are Completely Fine, meanwhile, relates the story of a psychologist named Dr. Jane Sayer, who gathers survivors of five horror movie scenarios in a support group and unwittingly unlocks the evil of her patient's past. That sounds creepy. Uh, The show is based on a 2014 book by Daryl Gregory, and its pilot will be both written and directed by Craven. In addition to these two projects, Craven is developing a near-future set show for UCP called Disciples, about three deep space private eyes who are hired to retrieve a senator's daughter from a cult on, where is this? Ganymede. Thank you. Jupiter's largest moon. Uh, Now everybody knows I don't know all my planets. Or no, I know the planets. I don't know the moons around said planets. Um, Craven will executive produce along with Steve Niles, who wrote the original graphic novel. Universal Cable Productions is the home of an amazing slate of TV programming, and I'm delighted to be working with them, Craven was quoted saying in a press release announcing this deal. Fasten your seatbelts. That's awesome. And now, is this actually supposed to be on sci-fi or on mm-hmm. chiller? I think. Because they're the sister networks. It's definitely going to be on sci-fi. Okay. Now, we are all completely fine. I think that's going to be on sci-fi as well. Now, the the disciples may be on chiller. Okay. That just sounds... Yeah, okay, first of all, really, Downton Abbey meets Amity for War. <laughs> I, I don't know how to even try to put that together in my head. No. It's like, hey, look it, I have this 9,000-piece puzzle here. And you're not going to figure out what the picture is, so good luck. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And really, I, I'm kind of confused with this one for We're All Completely Fine. Survivors of five horror movie scenarios. So is it like they survived, like, crazy killers that had them kind of like a horror movie? And then... That's what I'm thinking it is. Oh, my gosh. And then you're going to bring them together and really mess with their heads because there's probably going to be somebody in there that's like, oh, I could totally do that. <laughs> I don't know. It's crazy. And it sounds like exactly something I want to watch. Yeah. <laughs> and I just want to say, again, they're bringing something else as a graphic novel. So, yay, another book. I'm excited. I'm excited that sci-fi is going to more original programming that's based off all these awesome graphic novels and just all the literature that's out there as opposed to just rehashing and rebooting and retconning stuff that we've seen. Yes. So, with that being said, and my excitement on that, and obviously I don't know how to like talk and read. It's been a long day, guys. It's been a long day. <laughs> but we're going to jump into The Expanse. We are talking episode three and four this week. Yeah, episode three, entitled Remember the Cant. Holden and crew are taken prisoner aboard the Donager, the flagship of the Martian Congressional Republic Navy, 
and began to turn against each other. While contending with riots on Circe's, Miller connects Julie to the mysterious derelict ship, the Scorpii. Avasarla engages in a nasty game of politics with an old friend. I love her. Can I just say, I really love her Her yeah. as an I actress. Mean, she basically stole the whole episode with, with what she did in this episode. <laughs> yes, but I don't care. No. Because she's awesome. No. And she's so pretty. <laughs> yeah. Oh, with, with Holden's message getting out to everybody, it definitely puts some, uh, throws some red flags up everywhere. You know, you've got riots starting to happen on Circe's, and of course you've got Earth. Thinking that it's the Martians that are yes. attacking people and trying to start a war. It's just crazy. And obviously the... The message that was supposed to be the safeguard managed to get out a lot further than was expected. Oh, or, yeah. or do we think that it was purposely pushed out further? Because we haven't really found out how it got. They were just hoping that it would get to the closest ship. Right. So we have that that hasn't actually been discussed in the show. No. <laughs> So, it could be a plan that somebody wants to start a war. Maybe we have warmongers out there. It's very possible, and and at this point in time, we don't know anything about the Outer Planets Association, the OPA. Right. And maybe they're just like, I'm tired of Earth and Mars being the only two, you know, dogs in the fight, basically, and, and... we're going to make them turn on each other, and we'll take over when it's all done. Mm. Weird. Like, I'm sitting here just thinking about it, staring off in space, going, what if that actually is what the plan is? Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Get back to the recap that I, like, jump in and talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Where were you? (laughs) Because I, like, threw you all off. I apologize. Well, you know, we see Avasarala who spent the first two episodes warning of the danger of a possible OPA-Mars collaboration. Mm-hmm. And she actually turns out to be the voice of reason, at least for now. <laughs> you know, she manipulates the Martian ambassador, who happened to be an old family friend, into spreading word back home about the possible leaked stealth technology. That was... Genius. Yes. Because she just happens to say something to him as mm-hmm. him and his husband, right? Yes. They, you know, they were there talking about how, at her house, how they want to retire and have a vineyard on Mars and yada, yada, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, you know, when, when she's talking to the ambassador privately, she's like, no, we have intel. It was Martians and Maybe you want to get off the planet. You don't want to be there. And next thing you know, and and I think this is a really stupid move. (laughs) I mean, that's like a real rookie kind of thing. You know, he immediately called his counterpart on Mars. And next thing you know, like, all the Martian military is, they're checking all their bases and, Unfortunately, it ended up showing their hand because there were, were, what, three more bases than they thought? Right. With all um, secret military technology. So Earth ended up winning that one by, you know, finding out more information. But because they tipped their hand, they're searching to see if something's missing. So obviously Mars wasn't involved. Right. But it makes me wonder because they were saying what kind of technology it was. And if they're checking all their bases, does that mean Mars actually has that technology? Yes. Oh, interesting. But it was dirty. But as she says, you know, Earth comes first. Yeah. Because she is worried about her planet. And I kind of felt, I don't know how to put it. The fact that 
he's the Mars ambassador, but he's from Earth. Right. That he was more concerned with what was happening on Mars. I thought that was, you know, I don't want to say a traitor kind of thing, but I think he he should have been more concerned about what was happening on Earth. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Sure it does. Of course, Mars is home now, so you yeah. kind of worry about your home. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, he ends up getting booted from Mars. He's not, you know, what is that, yeah, was, persona non gratis? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was brutal. As uh, Frank put it, you know, someone stabs you in the chest and then offers you a bottle of wine as you bleed out. <laughs> yeah. 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 I kind of thought that was shitty on her part. She's oh, like, oh, yeah. here, they have that wine you like down the street. And just like, and he didn't take it. I really did feel, though, that I'm like, what if she poisoned it? I mean, I don't know how far she's willing to go. You never know. She wants victory, and she'll do just about anything to get it. She, You know, we find that out as Frank tells the story about her uh, winning a game of cards by changing the parameters of the game as a youngster. Yeah, that's true. That was funny. I did like that story, and I'm like, oh, that's cute. And then I'm like, oh, wait. He's basically saying you've been doing whatever you wanted all along, and I'm not playing anymore. Mm-hmm. And that was sad, too, because, I mean, the last thing he said to her was, your father would do absolutely anything any way possible, and that's what got him killed. Because we don't know anything about her family as of yet. No. So, that was uh, kind of sad. She was, at one point, though, like, laying up on the roof. Right. It looked like a painting. It was very pretty, actually, how they had her laid out. And uh, because she she isn't, and I do not know the proper terms, it's like um, kind of like an Indian gown, I guess is how she... Right. I don't know what they're called, like from India. Um, it's very pretty. And her hair is all sp- spread out, and it just looks like a portrait or something. And next thing you know, her grandkid comes out, and he's like, you're not supposed to be up here. <laughs> the kid's like seven and they're talking about what um, asteroids shooting stars and and you had that sweet moment so I mean you know that she's not completely cold hearted it's just she does what she needs to do and what she feels is best for the whole and I don't think she's really too concerned about if she hurts somebody's feeling No, and that's what a lot of this was I mean, I felt like that's what this episode had, like, a major theme in there. Mm-hmm. Because you had that, and then you had the, um, the survivors of the Canterbury being questioned, which was weird, by one of the Martians who, he, like, pops a pill. Yeah. <laughs> and then his eyes get all big, and he becomes, like, a human lie detector. Because he's he keeps telling the, he keeps looking at their eyes. Right. And He's reading the reaction to the questions. Right. But then he keeps telling, um, what is it, Nagata to put her hands on the table. It's like, why is he so concerned about her hands? But they keep kind of saying, well, not kind of, pretty much outright saying that Nagata could be part of a sleeper cell because she's smart and why is she on, you know, an ice hauler? And she had, what was it, four different degrees or something? Yeah. And I just thought that was kind of strange. I'm like, why? Why are you trying to pin it on one person? And trying to say that it's her people that, you know, tried to shoot them and blow them up. But our our guy, oh crap, what's his name? Stephen Strait. Holden. Holden, thank you. I had a moment there. You know, Holden's like, why would she try to blow herself up? You know, why would she... She didn't even know about the call. She didn't want to go, and she just happened to be put on it. It just seemed weird. And and to me, it seemed weird, and I didn't think that would make sense myself. But 
unless a lot of OPA people are, you know, more like suicide missions, what they do. Right. It just seemed strange. But that guy seemed more strange to me that was doing the human lie detector thing. Because he just kept... He was very... uh, Focused is definitely the word I'm thinking, but, like, his tone of voice never really changed. It was almost robotic. Yeah, it really is. And it just makes me wonder of the, you know, what were these people brought up like? Because we find out, is it in the next episode? He yes. mentions, okay, he mentioned something about, like, which one of his family went to Mars. So it just seems weird. They're so very non-emotional. I'll use that word. And all the scenes were very tense and well done. Mm-hmm. You know, off kilter enough to distinguish them from, you know, a hundred other similar scenes, even if they still aren't completely fresh. Mm-hmm. Well, we have... Okay, wait. Now I'm getting them confused because I watched them back to back. When they end up in the room, they start putting all of them in the room together. Is that this one or the next one? No, it was the end of this one that okay. they all get done being questioned you know holden's like the first one to come back and see that uh, one of them has actually been in the martian uh, military and he does say because that was cass and um alex Mm -hmm. he says that you know i was discharged they let me clean up because i was one of them is out of respect it was 20 years he was in yeah which seemed like a heck of a lot of years, because he doesn't look like he should be old enough to have 20 years in, you know, in military. Maybe they start him really young. Yeah. And, you know, so Holden doesn't know what's going on. You have Nagata freaking out. You have Amos, you know, who does come in then later, and he's really having a shit fit. <laughs> and you have... uh Garvey, who's our medic, comes in and, you know, they're all pointing fingers at each other, which is exactly what the Martians wanted. Yes. And it was kind of interesting because they're like, well, what did they tell you about that? What did they tell you? And uh, Amos is talking and he's like, he tells Garvey, oh, they told me that you're not even a medic. You're just hiding from what drug dealers. Yeah. And he's like, well, yeah. I'm like, what? Did he just say that was true? Yes. <laughs> it, it totally threw me off. I'm like, what? That just happened? I love it because the same as when they were in the cells talking to, to each other, they're like, you know that they're listening to us. Yeah. They want us to say something in here and point fingers and accuse everybody. Yeah, turn on each other. And was it? Oh, yeah. Amos, because he's like the muscle for Nagata. Yeah. Even though she's not asking him to do anything, he kind of, he decides he's going to be the muscle anyway, and he starts to grab Alex and, like, choke him out. I think I'd be a little more concerned about the medic at that particular moment who, like, was supposed to be there treating me and helping me, and he doesn't even have any medical stuff. <laughs> but I guess... Be, you know, they're all kind of blinded because all they see is Alex in the Martian uniform. Right. So it's really hard to get past that. And this is something that I thought was really interesting because I watched a little extra on this. And in the book, everybody knows where they're coming from. Right. And they wanted to keep it different, for right. this, mostly for this scene, so that, you know, everybody's learning about the other person as they go. So you have more kind of fluidity about how would you actually react. You know, it's not like, yeah, I knew it was Martian Navy, you know, big deal. That's something they'll deal with later. But, you know, if you're suddenly in this super tense, tense scene, you're, you have no idea what, what is going on. I think that gives it more depth to the scene. Absolutely agree. It's... It's nice to be able to learn with the characters instead of having to catch up with the characters. Mm -hmm. Even though I do like when, you know, they don't have to hold your hand and explain absolutely everything. With this, because there's so many different characters, I like that we're some information and it's not throwing it all at, at you at one time. 
like we're learning um crap what's his name miller we learned that he wasn't from earth but it was kind of trying to explain to the his partner how you find you know the tells of where people are from right and the same with this crew like we're finding all this out because the martians are trying to pit them at each other so now we have that information and they have the information and then we see what happens and it kind of stopped this episode with the big hey i i want to talk right and it but was, i'll only talk to the commander yes and that was Holden. And next thing you know, oh, the doors are open. Come on. Come on down. She'll see you. <laughs> Big surprise. And that ship just seems so different from the ice freighter. Oh, yeah. So much more advanced. I mean, they're walking through, like, a museum-sized ship. And everything's put together the way it should be. <laughs> You don't see any duct tape holding anything together. Um, and, yeah, he goes up to the bridge. Can I just say to you, and it took me four episodes to figure it out. It sounded like they were all walking with spurs on. Right. And I That's... couldn't figure out, and it's the, like, anti-gravity. Mag mag yeah. yeah. And I'm like, what is that noise? <laughs> All I kept picturing in my head were spurs. And I'm... Okay, so so whoever's doing the sound effects, you know, kudos to you, because you made sure that was in every scene when they're walking, when they're supposed to be wearing the boots. Because, you know, too many times you have, like, continuity errors, and that was always in there, because I always... And that's immediately what came to mind, though, was spurs. And I wondered if that's what they used to make the sound. But, you know, kudos. You guys kept that pretty much across the board. And it's little things like that that you start... I notice, and it, it's, like, in my head. But then if I don't hear it, it's automatically going to be like, wait a minute. Why is the sound not there? So I thought that was interesting. And the whole mag boot thing was something that I don't think we've ever seen in any kind of sci-fi before. No, you usually don't see it until they're outside the ship, not actually inside the ship. But on the occasions that something happens with their gravity, you know, they need to stay where they are. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. All right. Anything else about episode three? Well, there's a lot going on on series. Yes. Sorry. Yes. I we just... still have quite a bit going on, mm -hmm. you know, because of the um, civil unrest. Uh, the security force is on alert, and um, Miller is actually told to drop the case of the missing angsty rich girl, <laughs> <laughs> but he's not going to do it. Well, would anybody be surprised? I mean, really? She no. gave it to him as an, you know, under the table kind of thing anyway. So, come on. <laughs> yeah. But we do get introduced to the main OPA member on Cirque, oh the one and only Jared Harris. Thank you. I'm like, what is his name? I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> he. I had a real hard time not calling him Robert David Jones. <laughs> <laughs> he always has, like these accents like in mm -hmm. everything he, and it's really weird because i'm assuming it's supposed to be like a belter accent that he's using in here right and it's the weirdest cadence and i don't know how he's able to keep it up i mean how did they even create it and the fact that he can do it in long conversation it's amazing that's why they're actors that i'm not but yes <laughs> it's still it's amazing how they can you know just kind of slide into an accent and like I said, I've seen him in, I don't even, so many things. And he always has some kind of accent, and it just amazes me that people can do that. And the Belter accent is a one of a kind. I can't, I feel like there's a little kind of Cajun in there. That's yeah. That's the best I can get, come up with, though. I agree. It does sound <laughs> a little Cajun. Oh, but he is awesome. And then just, 
he kind of without asking but kind of asked you know if uh you know miller might be willing to change sides mm-hmm. you know and then he's like oh you know i'm just you know just wondering not asking <laughs> like, but uh man those people drink a lot of booze too on series yeah <laughs> like a lot there's so much unrest happening though it's like it's crazy how it it correlates so much with what's happening, you know, in different parts of the world right now, too. Right. So, again, you know, art imitating life. Really, really good. <laughs> I can't talk. I have no words. Go ahead. <laughs> now, of course, the biggest surprise of the episode on Cersei's is... The sudden death of Havelock, Miller's wet-behind-the-ears partner. Yes. Who happened to be an Earther, who was taking lessons in belter speak from a lady of the evening. <laughs> I was going to say, how are you going to do that one, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> a woman of ill repute. Yes. But I don't know why it was such a secret. I mean, do they not normally share their culture that's the best i can come up with and a lot of what they do it's um I, again i mean you have the the weird cadence to their speech they have different words they use sometimes but it's a, with hands right and they are also very expressive with their movements mm -hmm. so it's interesting but uh wait is it th yeah this is the one when he's actually injured with a yeah. really big freaking rebar <laughs> i like it 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 was weird i mean he's there and you know he's doing the little motions and they're, they're laughing at him like you're an idiot and what i noticed and i don't know if you caught it right away you have these big dudes pick him up like he's you know a doll right. put him against the wall and then they put this like gun that they loaded the rebar into. So it's almost like an air gun. Yeah. So to shoot it into him. But did you notice the one guy was like recording on his phone? Yeah. Which can I just say, they have the most awesome phones, by the way. Oh, yeah. They're the coolest smartphones I've ever seen. I want one. <laughs> can we hurry up and get the phones? Can we just right. like <laughs> jump to those? But like he's recording it. And all I can think of is when there's like fights and stuff in malls or Black Friday and yeah. you have these people videotaping the insanity that's happening and then you see this guy basically doing the same thing. He's like, ha ha ha, we are killing somebody. I'm going to record this. I would just, I didn't even know what to say. I'm like, is that guy recording this on his phone? Yeah. I seriously just had that look and I, I had to, I said it out loud. I honestly did. There's nobody home and I'm watching and I'm like, did he just record that? <laughs> like, I expect my dog to go, yeah, yeah, I totally did. But it was so weird because it's not something that I'd be expecting because you have all these fights and everything that's happening. And you have these guys who are killing somebody, a, an officer, nonetheless, and thinking like, eh, no big deal. But why are you recording? Because chances are you're going to release that, right? Right. And we find that out later. Uh, anyway. So remember the can't. Which I didn't understand this either because those guys said that to the police officer. Right. He was Earth. They're, they're saying it was Mars. Why are you attacking Somebody from Earth, yeah. You would think that that would... Well, and the Belters seem to have a, a a real issue with Earth people anyway. They blame all their troubles on Earth. Hmm. Well, I guess I can see that because they're not getting paid. They're basically like bottom of the barrel. Right. That didn't make sense to say that and do that. To an earther. Right. I was kind of confused there. 
So I'm hoping I'm not the only one. But if somebody wants to shed light on that, fangirlzonepodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> All right. So we'll wrap up episode three here, Steve. All righty. And go into episode four, CQB. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, sorry. That's my. Holden and crew are caught in the middle of a desperate battle as mysterious warships attack and board the Donager. As he pursues Julie Mao, Miller's partner Havelock goes missing. Well, we saw what happened to Havelock. Well, we seen what happened. He didn't see what happened. No, he didn't. So, oh my gosh. Okay, I don't want to jump around this episode. So we'll let let's read a little synopsis, and then I want to talk about one section at a time. Okay. Okay. So on series, Miller identifies the dead, quote unquote, Night Bandit Thirty One as a data broker with an implanted, <clears throat> pardon me, with an implanted cryptic memory storage, which is all in his body, like all yes. this weird stuff. And it's amazing <laughs> and frightening. And all I can think of is Johnny Mnemonic, though. <laughs> um, it's weird, I know. In the asteroid belt, the Doniger pursue, pursuer reveals itself as six ships of the type that attacked the Canterbury and began firing torpedoes unexpected, unexpectedly at a technological disadvantage. The Martian ship takes heavy damage. And Shed Garvey is killed by a railgun shot. That messed me up, and I'll explain in a minute. Oh, yeah. As the Donager is being bombarded, the surviving Canterbury crew are evacuated on the Martian, on the Martian captain's orders, narrowly escaping aboard a small corvette immediately before the Donager self-destructs to avoid capture. Far out at Tycho Station, where a massive generation ship, the Nauvoo, is being built on behalf of the Mormon Church, station manager Fred Johnson turns to the Nauvoo sensors toward the battle. So, we get Chad Coleman in this episode. Yes, we do. <laughs> so, I'm just putting that out. We'll come back to him. So, let's start, start at the beginning. So, this data broker. Miller has no idea how to find this guy because every time he, like, scans him, his his identity keeps changing. Yeah. So he ends up calling in. Now, I was kind of confused with this woman, uh, Octavia. Right. She's one of the security officers like he is. Right. But, like, in the one episode, I thought she was one of the women of the night as well. (laughs) And so I was kind of confused when he called her in. And then he's like, oh, hey, cover for me. So now I realize she's a cop. I'm like, it just didn't right. seem to make sense at first. But she knows a lot about kind of like back alley stuff. Mm-hmm. So she's not undercover because people see her face and know she's a cop. But I feel like she's almost is undercover to get all this information. So, I yeah, mean, she, she knows. She seems to be right, on, right up there with Miller as far as knowledge goes and and being able to get information from various sources, shall we say. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, he had no idea what was going on. She knew what, what, like, the scrambler thing was. She knew Mm -hmm. about all these other wet works, I don't know what you call it, (laughs) software upgrades that he had. And one of them, it was something about a sedentary lifestyle you know, some kind of processor, like in his pancreas or something. It was yeah. just, I'm like, huh. So they don't have to do a lot, and he can stay skinny. Hmm. I might need one of those. But <laughs> I hate exercise. Um, and then she, all of a sudden she finds, like, this memory thing. But it's in his leg, which seems like kind of a strange place. I love it. Miller's like, oh, let's get this out. And he's, like, shoving this instrument just into I don't know about you, but I was cringing because he's just, like, yeah. shoving it into his leg. And it's, like, missed. He pulls it out and he does it again. And he's, like, not like I'm hurting him. The whole time I was cringing, though. I'm, like, oh, God. Oh, oh, don't hurt. Yes. There's a real, like, 
physical reaction. <laughs> that was yeah, rough. Yeah, she felt it even though the dead guy did not. <laughs> oh, it was rough. Um, and then he's trying to figure out, you know, what the heck is on this? And even though it was all encrypted, um, what did I just say her name was? Octavia? Yeah. Yeah. Octavia was like, well, this is corporate stuff. And right away, I mean, Miller's putting stuff together because he, the the dead guy, was on Julie Mao's, what was Dating it? Dating page. Thank yeah. you. I was like, <laughs> they tore Tinder site. <laughs> <laughs> it messed me up. Um, it's Tinder of the future. And... You know, right? I, it's clicking for me that okay, she's wrapped up in more than we know, mm-hmm. and we have this guy. It's like, oh my gosh, what is actually happening? And you know, little things start to piece together. And I don't want to go too far because I can't remember if it's in this episode or the next now. Well, we also at the end of the previous episode, we do find that he uh, Miller finds the video where we see. Uh, Julie just put a guy down without almost any effort at all. Right. It was impressive. Yes, she, it was. <laughs> For a poor little rich girl. Right. And she is just a tiny little thing. But And they actually say that because he's investigating and he goes down to the docks and, you know, one of the guys, I love it, he's like, oh, yeah, I was worried about her. Then I didn't have to be. Because he yeah. thought it was hilarious that she put this guy down. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm sure that's not something that they see that often. So I guess she can take care of herself, but still, it worries me. We don't know what she's seen and what's happened to her. She's kind right. of just in the ether right now. And like I said, I start getting these mixed up because I watch too many of them in a row. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, without spoiling, do we find out about the next guy in this episode with Julie? Or is it episode five? I think it's episode five. Okay, then I won't go any further. So, Julie can take care of herself. She's kind of a badass. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go back to the Doninger. Sure. <laughs> because, holy cow... So Holden is on the the bridge, and he is talking to the captain. And, of course, you know, the captain is like, ah, no big deal. We can take these guys. And right when she's like, I'm not worried, you knew something was going to happen. Oh, yeah. I'm like, ugh, they're dead. That's all I kept thinking. So they strap Holden into a seat, like a jump seat, and then... He, what, touches the one button, and he's, like, locked in there? It's like, that's a heck of a seatbelt. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of funny. But, you know, as they're watching what's happening, and they all turn on their mag boots, and they start getting pelted, all of a sudden, Holden's like, I've seen that ship. And, like, nobody's listening to him, except... Right. And I didn't catch his name. Ah, the guy, the weird human lie detector. Right. <laughs> I gotta find his name. Um, just because I don't know if it's because he was closest to him, or if he was still paying attention to him, trying to see if he'll say something. But you know, he notices that he said it, and he's like, "Tell the captain. Tell the captain what you said." And yeah, Lopez. Lopez, thank you. Because I'm like, I can't find it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and he's like, that's what attacked the Canterbury. That's what blew it up. Mm-hmm. And it, they had stealth, they had this, and, you know, finally the Martian captain seemed a little distressed. Because, like, oh, crap, this is what you were talking about? <laughs> so yeah, When they actually come out of stealth and they realize that it's six different ships... And they've got rail gun, you know, their weaponry is just as strong as what the Martian ship has. Mm-hmm. So they all, you know, she kind of gets the hint that, yeah, we're outgunned here. It's six to one. 
Yeah, and and it threw me off that there was actually six of them because I thought it was one just giant ship. Right. But the fact that it can kind of like break apart, it's like, oh, okay. That seemed kind of crazy to me because apparently it's not anything that anybody else has seen. So I didn't feel so bad about not knowing what the heck was going on. So, you know, they're like these torpedoes that are hitting the ship that apparently the Martians have got to be top of the heap in regards to military. Technology, yeah. And the fact that they're getting just beat to crap, they don't understand what is going on. Right. And we see that the rail guns just blow a hole right through the ship. And speaking of through the ship, (laughs) right through Garvey's head. (laughs) I don't know about you, but when that happened... Because the first thing, you know, they're like, oh, man, we're losing air pressure and we have to cover these holes because everybody realizes there's a hole in this. It's probably from the, or probably it is from the outer hole. We're going to lose oxygen. Yeah. So, like, Nagata goes to cover one and Amos goes to the other and, like, right away, I mean, they're all looking. Oh, no, because he was throwing, uh, like, something to Alex to, like, calm him down glue gun or something. <laughs> I'm assuming it was like a flavored toothpick. I don't know. I'm going to say that. You know. And all of a sudden it's like his head's missing. Right. And blood is floating. And I was just staring going holy crap. And seriously I'm just like production wise. All I can think of is that is awesome. Special effects. You have all this stuff happening because his blood is, like, floating above his body. Yes. And little droplets are floating away. And I was just so taken by that moment. And I know I sound like an idiot right now because I was like, there was blood and it was so cool. But that's not what I'm saying. It just, they did the whole zero G thing and it was just mind-blowing that this is a TV show. Sure. And they're doing this so in-depth like that. So they cover up the holes, and poor Amos has to cover the hole above Garvey's head. And, like, the blood is just coming up kind of (laughs) fountain-like. And I felt so bad for him because it's all in his hands, and he's trying to cover it. And then, you know, they seal the holes so they have air and they have pressure again and atmosphere. Yeah, and then just, like, you have this big... (laughs) I'm, I shouldn't laugh. This big bubble ball of blood. Say that t- ten times fast. And then it just like pressure is restored and it's like bloop. Just all in the body. And Amos is just looking like this is on my hands. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Like he tried to wipe it off, but not really. Because yeah. it's like, uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't want to wipe this on my clothes, but I got to get off my hands. Right. And I was just like, holy crap, I can't believe that just happened. <laughs> Again, amazing. Um, so, yeah, the captain's like, get him off the ship. And she hands, uh, uh, crap, what did you say his name was? Lopez. Lopez. Like, a memory stick almost. And I'm assuming it's supposed to be their All interrogations the and is. videos and yeah, any kind yeah. of things that they've gotten about these other ships. Right. And they're like, this has to get, you know, you have to take him. And, of course, Holden's like, we need to save my my friends, my crew. And they're like, I'm not worried about them. I'm worried about getting you off the ship. Right. Well, you know, he's not going to listen. No, unfortunately, whoever is attacking by this time has already started to board the ship. And the entire... Um, group that is assigned to get Holden off the ship basically gets killed. So Holden is able to make it back to his shipmates and get them out of their uh, Right, because he ended up making a deal with them. Because there was, what, like four people left? Right. And he's like, I'll get you guys out 
but you need to give, give me my people. Because they find one of this other crew, and they have advanced weaponry. Yeah. Because he takes the gun and holds like, I don't want to shoot you. And he's like, you can't. <laughs> and I'm just, I was thinking, okay, what, do they know him, and they know he won't really kill somebody? But no, he tries to shoot him, and the gun won't work. Because it was very James Bond-esque, that it was printed to his, you know, the bad guy's DNA, basically. Right, yeah. Which apparently the Martians know about, because Holden had no clue. Right. So I'm guessing this is something that Earth and maybe, you know, the outer planets, whatever, don't know about too much. But the Martians know. Because she's like, you couldn't do it, it's connected to his DNA. Just like it's no big deal. Right. I'm like, okay, so this is something that's pretty serious. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I wondered if it was specifically just for that guy or anybody. I mean, because I know the DNA, but we know nothing about these people. Right. Who they are right. or anything. Are. Yeah. So could it be like imprinted with everybody? Race? Yeah. Right. That's what I was wondering. Like. Or everybody on the ship all of a sudden, anybody can use it in case something happens. But it was really weird because, what was it, they cut off his arm? Or his, yeah. And it just kind of, like, sealed up. I'm like, what are those, like, nanobites? Right. Like, what right. is, ha- thank you. I'm like, what is happening? It just, like, you know, sealed up, no big deal. I, oh, man. I'm Terminator. Like, I need to know who these people are, what they are, because it's freaking me out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I thought it was really cool. So they go and get his friends, and they head for the ship, which I feel like an escape pod in the middle of a ship isn't the best place for it. (laughs) Especially as big, and I love that you have it as a small Corvette. (laughs) It did kind of look like some weird, like, sports model spaceship. Uh Uh-huh. It sure did. Like the... um... The captain's personal uh, yes. shuttle. Yes, there you go. <laughs> um, and, of course, it's in this giant hold and multi-level access, but not really access. Just multi-level can look at you, and, of course, there's bad guys everywhere. Yes. Shooting at you. Um, but I do want to say that poor Amos, after everything he's been through, Alex took, like, a sleep med to try to use less oxygen. So poor Alex has to carry this man. As he's got blood on his hands, and he, and he his, you know, probably freaking out still because of Garvey's head. Right. And he's like, all right, I got to carry Alex, and there's people shooting at us. I have no control over this situation. No. So, he gets shot in the leg. Yes. As he's trying to get Alex's, like, barely conscious self. Body. <laughs> it's, I, I have to liken it to carrying a drunk friend. Yes. Like, come very on. Very much so. Yeah, it's like, uh, Very much so. But I'm so tired. Just let me sleep. <laughs> no, get up. We got to go. <laughs> you got to pilot this thing. Let's yeah, go. Been there, done that. <laughs> <laughs> the friend that was about 6'2", uh, oh. 240. Gosh. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that good. I don't know how you did it. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't easy. Um, so, yeah, so they get get Alex. Alex and Amos get on the plane, on the plane, on the ship, <laughs> on the thing, in the car. And, uh, like, all the Martians who, who are left are covering our people so they can get on. And I just feel like it seems strange that they were willing to... Um, possibly die for the oh, people yeah. from the Canterbury. You know, and then we have, uh, you know, the one guy who makes it on the ship, but uh, kind of not. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't last long. Lopez wasn't a direct hit, but there was an explosion behind him. Mm-hmm. So he ended up being injured so they get on the ship and they wake alex up enough for him to fly and i love they're like who's gonna fly i don't know i don't know i can't do this and lopez is like uh i'm hurt guys you figure this out and alex is like oh me okay 
So he's up there, still slightly doped up. Goes to take off, and um, apparently there's no, like, door anywhere. Or it's just not open. Because <laughs> he just shoots a hole in the middle of the ship. He's like, we're going this way. Which I thought was really hilarious, actually. Oh, yeah. It was great seeing him bump against the sides of the ship. And <laughs> I was like, whoa, <laughs> While whoa. he was trying to not only clear his head, but also turn around and shoot the bad guys at the same time. Right. I felt bad, though, for Lopez because, you know, they do finally get everybody in the seat and, you know, take off. And, um, I mean, he was hurt, and we had no idea at that point how badly he was hurt. And he just looks at at Holden and says, I wish I was able to see, was it an ocean on Mars? Right. Which, that made me so sad. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> earlier he was talking about his great uncle was the one who had come to Mars and he used to tell stories of the oceans that would go on as far as you can see and and blue skies and and Mars is not like that. No. And it just my heart broke a little bit. It really did. <laughs> so I felt bad because Lopez died. But before he died, they were able to get out of Dodge. And you know, he did keep saying make sure nobody's following so it's obvious that because of what happened, they want Mars to know, they as in the, the Doniger people, want Mars to know what's going on. Because if these people are able to take out your flagship, you know, nobody else is, gotta, is going to be able to stand a chance. Yeah. But they did take out, what, three of the ships? Yes. I'd say I, I felt like at least three were taken out. But we have no idea how many are actually still out there. Yes. I mean, we know there's three more, but we don't know how many are really out there. So they take off and they fix, well, yeah, they fix uh, Amos's leg, which is the weirdest contraption I've ever seen. Yeah, that was slick. <laughs> so weird. A brace that self-heals. Yeah. But, you know, hey, it's one way to not have to have him limping around right? for any extended time. So, you know, really good idea there. Uh, the Doniger goes boom as they're taking off. And, you know, they're just kind of out there. And he, you know, they're like, nobody's following us. Are you sure? Blah, blah, blah. And we end them with, well, then who the heck is hailing us. us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I love it. They all do that kind of a slow turn. Like, what? <laughs> and I love the person who sees that is Amos, who just had his leg fixed, and he was he was given a shot. So he should be, like, the least aware of what's happening. Right. And he's the one who sees that. So, dun-dun-dun. We don't know what happened there. Because that's all we see with our people at that point. Right. But we go far away to Tycho Station. Tycho Station. And this is when we get to see Chad Coleman. Yay, Chad Coleman. Walking yes. Dead. Um, I love that he is like the foreman, basically, on this big ship. And it turns out it's for the Mormon Church, which apparently right. is huge. <laughs> Because they talk, we find out there's Mormons on series later, too. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's funny. So they're like, well, we're going to send generations of people out into the abyss. Right. And I'm just thinking, how big has the Mormon church got? They're like, oh, we can send a ton of people out. It's fine. And this looks like this gigantic you know, ship that they're building. You have no idea what's on it, how big it really is, because we're just seeing kind of like the... Construction of it. Yeah, thank you. And uh, I love it that the church elder was like, oh, there's been talk, your reputation, they want to change people. He's like, oh. And he just stops the little thing that they were moving in. Yeah. And so they're hanging out on this rail in space and nothing... (laughs) I thought he was going to boot him out of the little, yeah. little like, <laughs> elevator thing or whatever. And 
he was so cool about it. He's like, oh, so you want to send people on, was it a 300-year mission or something? Yeah. I mean, yeah. That we're, it's akin to when the Mormons left the East Coast and headed to Utah. You know, that kind of going out to find a planet they can call their own. <laughs> right. And he's like, and, and you want to do it with somebody else in charge who can't guarantee that you're actually going to have quality work done. I'm like, ah, he's going like super old school union guy, like before yeah. unions were good. And it was kind of questionable back when yeah. some of them started. He's like, I don't know, maybe this will stick together and maybe it won't. I mean, that's what I was feeling like. He's like, I don't know, you guys, you, you guys want to try it? You know, you do what you got to do. And I love it that the church elder was like, um, you know, I don't have anybody in mind, so why don't you just keep working? We're cool. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, okay. And then just, like, starts the little traveling pod thing back. To... And he was so forceful. He's like, okay, we have some testing to do. Get your people and get out. Yeah. Get off <laughs> our base now. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I thought it was funny, and I shouldn't be laughing that hard. But, but yeah, it, it just had that moment. And, and it's one of those things that I feel like had to happen because, you know, so, this had such intense, you know, battles and everything that's happened so far. So it just had a little bit of humor in it without being ha-ha funny. Right. So I, I appreciated that. Uh-huh. And you love how, you know, Coleman's character is just as calm. He doesn't get, you you never see his blood pressure rise. Right. Hmm. I can't really say. It's interesting because we find out more of him next episode. Oh, That's yeah. all I'll say. <laughs> That's where I'll leave it with him. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Anything else you want to talk about with episode four? Oh, That's we so did, learned that uh, our uh, data broker was also in a spaceship trying to slingshot around right. a star. I almost forgot about that. And, and that, because that was the same guy, right? Yes. So that's weird. Is Are there clones? Did the yeah, guy do the, something to his face? Been, I almost forgot about that. Yeah. Do we have genetic alterations going on or like you said are they just clones mm, so much stuff it, I just feel like this is getting better and better oh yeah this this episode you got the space battle a little bit of the space battles and enough information to start ramping stuff up Mm-hmm. and you really start you know, you can feel the excitement building. I can't wait. I can't wait. Yes. <laughs> I can't believe, though, because the next one we do is going to take us our halfway point on each side. Yes. So, <sighs> it's almost over. It makes me sad because it's so good. Okay. Any, anything else on episode four we haven't covered? I don't we think so. We've talked about everything. Yeah. All right, then. We will close this episode of Sci-Fi Talk. We do ask that you please rate and review us on iTunes. Good ratings help other people find us, and it makes me feel like we're doing something good. <laughs> yes. And <clears throat> you definitely need to check out Sean's interview with the cast that she did at New York Comic Con. I love those guys. They were great. Yes, uh, that, that, that looked like a lot of fun talking to the to the cast. It, it was. They were so. Cool. Yeah, I could it tell. was. <laughs> <laughs> they were laid back, and so that made it easy. Yeah. And can't wait to find out more about Julie Mao's character. Yes. Ah, oh, she's such a secret. Um, uh -huh. Tell your friends, and we hope you, of course, are enjoying the podcast. Uh, we want to hear from you. Um, anything, your theories on what Julie found, anything that we've missed that you're like, hey, guys, you should have talked about this. 
anything at all, fangirlzone.com, um, fangirlzonepodcast at gmail.com. Um, we have our YouTube page up. We have the iTunes page up, we, which you know if you're listening to this. Though. Um, <laughs> we have Podomatic. Uh, basically, everything's linked on fangirlzone.com. So please, you know, check it out. Shoot me any information you want to share. <sighs> so I guess and we're going to sign for the off. Twitter's world, the Twitter sphere, where can they get a hold of you at? Um, actually, I just use my main account. It's at Jetta528, which, again, it's all the contact is on Fangirl Zone. We have everything, the Google Plus, we have Instagram, I have Pinterest. <laughs> all right. Working on the LinkedIn, you know, if you guys really want to go in depth with it. And Steve, where can they find you? You can follow me on Twitter at Salyer Steve, S-A-L-Y-E-R-S-T-E-V-E. As a matter of fact, I've tweeted out uh, the link to uh, that interview this morning. Oh, thank you. So much fun. All right, so we'll be doing the next two episodes. Oh, I'm getting ever closer to the end. <laughs> I think we're going to get a whole lot of information coming up very, very soon. Information I hope overload. we are. I mean, they could uh, drag it out and not give us any information about who's behind all this. It might not be the OPA after all. We'll find out soon enough. Yeah. With Fred Johnson and um, Jared... Jared's character. Jared. Harris. Oh, um, Anders. Anderson Dawes. Yes. yes. Yeah, with those two uh, kind of uh, seeming to be very uh, instrumental in the OPA, it's going to be very curious to see how this turns out. Yes. All right, folks, we're going to sign off for this episode. So, until next time. See you next week.